What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. It is good to be with you today, sitting down with... Hey, this is Mike Moses, lead pastor at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to be with you all post-Memorial Day weekend. I had Harrison after worship on Sunday. My wife Angie and I hopped in the car. We went to Greensboro. We spent the evening with my mother, um... Uh, and then the morning with my father in his memory care unit, uh, we met his doctor met with us. There's some changes going on, and and uh, he, his his Alzheimer's is progressing. And then we had the afternoon with Angie's parents, who are in a retirement, a progressive care mm. uh, retirement center in Greensboro. So we batched it with the parental units. Had good time with them. We love them. Uh, we feel blessed that at this age all four of our parents are living and we get to hug them i hugged my dad and he Mm. knew who i was actually more than the last time i visited Mm. him so that was good how how did you spend your weekend yeah i was uh as for sunday i was off aaron mayner uh led here with our team uh uh and so i I just spent a lot of good time with my family i actually saw both uh, both um, my folks and Emily's parents also over this weekend, they all are, are within 30, 40 minutes of us here. So we got to have a little family dinner, a little uh, a little hangout uh, party time, invite the whole crew to our house yesterday for Memorial Day just to uh, play very competitive games of bocce ball tournament <laughs> style, draw a number out of a hat. Gets nice. gets very intense. <laughs> I uh, don't want to talk about the end results, so don't ask, but we had a good time uh, just relaxing. On Sunday morning, <clears throat> I made uh, biscuits and gravy for my whole family. That's what I did wow. Sunday morning, so it, wow. it, was, just, it was very just nice. Just to symbolize, Dad is not working right now, and this is a physical token. Do not look up and say, Dad never paid attention to us every now and then on that's a right. holiday Sunday. That's right, because that's, that's, that's what they say the whole rest of the time. They say, Dad never... <laughs> Pays attention to us. He's just watching the heat lose. I'm in my sad heat hat today. Anyways. You are. Yeah. Hey, today uh, on the podcast, we're going to wrap up the series Necessary Endings for a moment. I will I will share, uh, actually, um, uh, as you know, I adjusted the sermon this past Sunday to address what was going on in our nation and in ourselves, and it was some content that we had planned to use with necessary endings, but obviously I shifted it a lot. So I, I'm just going to trip through um, a little of content to wrap up that series. Um, but first, it's kind of a season of not necessary endings, but scheduled endings, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you, know, the, you noted that as we walked oh in Oh, yeah, morning. yeah, for sure. And I, I, think, I think it's helpful from time to time. You know, part of the part of the way that we're wired and we've talked about we've talked about this some on the podcast before I think especially maybe in relation uh to the season of Lent but our 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 brains are kind of wired to run in seasons you know Mm -hmm. if we do anything all the time um it becomes routine and uh boring and uninspiring so just by one of the very difficult things about the industrial age uh, and some manual labor types of jobs, hmm. which never change. The lighting inside never changes. That's, that's one of the challenges of certain types of labor is they're a bit against the grain of of how nature is made, how hmm. the world works. 
how the earth turns as it yeah. rotates around oh, the yeah. sun, et cetera. Yeah, we're just made that way. So I think it's helpful to note as we're heading into certain seasons just to acknowledge what they are and some some ways that they can help us move forward. And I think that this is a season of necessary endings for a lot of us, even if you don't have kids um, Mike, your kids are not school age currently, but this, this is still for all of us, um, <clears throat> as we finish up the spring, as we head into the summer, it's just a time of change and transition. What does that look like for you? No, with no kids in the house, it's not like mm-hmm. kids are home from school. They're at school. What does that look like for you and Angie in your house as the, the change from where you've been it's the last six different. months? It's pretty different because having kids in our house uh, vacation would only be during the the, the summer, uh, and we just took our. Uh, I try to take a full two weeks back to back vacation at some point during every year for my own sanity, um, and that's always been in the summer. But now that we're empty nesters, I can do that <laughs> anytime. Uh, I mean, not Easter or Christmas, or I'll get fired. Um, so we just, in May, we decided we're going to do our vacation now because less people are traveling. So it has changed. However, like most people's jobs, most jobs have some seasonality to them. Um, mine happens to be tied to the school schedule. Church schedules tend to mirror, um, both traditionally because, uh, you know, America was an agrarian society, and now it's become a, a predominantly urban society. But, but still, a lot of our cultural rhythms are inherited from that agrarian time, and so schools are out in the summer, mm-hmm. so so that your kids, Harrison, could go out and and uh, work in and the, hoe work the fields. Yeah, <laughs> they could that's hoe. right. Um, they, <laughs> remind them that hey, I will. Hey, get out there, get out there and hoe a little bit. Cut my grass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm in a job, a profession that all works according to that seasonality anyway. So so it still feels like a season to me. I volunteer at Hopewell High School this morning. Tuesday was my last little session of the year of being a dad walking around the hall and uh, had a really sweet time with a hmm. uh, a junior young man who who was really struggling in a little conflict with his teacher and, and he just left and walked out to the parking lot and I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go after him and just had some good hangout time with a young man hmm. struggling to control himself. Um, and boy, the teachers and the students are so ready for school to oh, be yeah. out uh, for all the reasons that this year has been unique mm-hmm. uh, and normal reasons. It, it's like a triple, t- triple, readiness for summer break so yes and and i will say that something harrison we talk about this as a staff is that i i learned for myself and i encourage anyone who has a little bit of freedom in your job a little bit of self uh efficacy a a bit of agency over your schedule i encourage folks okay i'm still going to work full-time all summer if i expect to be paid as a full-time employee so I, i will be doing that as an employee of everybody listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you're my boss. Um, but I work it at a different rhythm. I work a little different schedule, not a totally different schedule, uh, just to signal to my body and my psyche um, it's a different season so that, uh, you know, when we come back and uh, when, when we ramp things back up and I'm looking at our worship planning board and we pick out a Sunday in mid to late August and we call it back to school Sunday 
even though there's only a percentage of our church that's going back to school. But mentally, emotionally, that's what we do, and we gear up for late August through May as our high season. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that's I, I'm already uh, I'm I won't until a week or two into June do a little bit of shift of my weekly calendar. Yeah, no, I'm the same way, and I, I think that <clears throat> as it relates to necessary endings, particularly, I guess the the bit of wisdom, the nugget from here before we move on would be. Um, don't miss an opportunity as things, as some things stop, Mm -hmm. you'll have a choice here in a couple months as you pick things back up to go, okay, did, did, did I like the way that was going before I dropped it? Is that something I even need to pick back up at all? If I do pick it back up, does it need to be, uh, in a different way that I can uh, approach it that will be. Uh, more healthy for me or more productive for my life. So I, I, what I am doing uh, is just attempting to use this season of slowdown to look at where I've been over the past four or five months and just make sure before I start putting all the things back in my backpack and carrying them again to make sure these are the things I want to be carrying and how, how I want to carry them. So now that you have a lull, it's a good time to take advantage and just look at inventory some things and and use that. It is a downtime, and for a lot of us, it's a it's quote unquote down, not like vacation. I don't mean it like that. I mean in terms right, of we're not we don't yeah, get a three month vacation. Like you said, uh, <laughs> in terms of our busyness level and some of the some of the week to week ministry things that we attack as there's no Christmas or Easter right around the corner, things just feel a little bit differently. So for us. Uh, I, uh, we, a lot of what we do, for example, in the summer is use this time to just pour into our teams that serve here. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we know we're not gonna, there, everyone's at the lake and at the beach. A bunch of people are going to be watching online now that we have that over the past couple of years to a point where we yeah. feel really happy with it. Yeah. But we appreciate you all's compliments. Oh on yeah. That, and we know that you take too much advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the summer, we know things just flow differently. So we're looking at that saying, okay, we know there are some things that are ending, but we're not just looking at it and saying, all right, well, we're throwing in the towel. Um, it's, it's an intentional ending that says, okay, I have more, uh, I have more energy here to put towards something. And for a lot of us on our staff side, we're, we're saying, Hey, we're going to put that towards our teams of ministry partners that are serving and help us. Mm-hmm. We're turning the wagons in for a minute. We're yes. going to we're going to pep talk, say, yes. "Hey, let's get ready." And then by the time the fall hits, we're going to go. Yes, and and if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you have heard me say before, and I'll say it again. The number one thing that uh, I, I will say the top two discipleship behaviors that Christians took out of their backpack during the pandemic, uh, by necessity in most cases, uh, for a year or so, are are two things that actually really need to go back in the backpack. Uh, this summer, certainly for the fall, one of them is being in committed Christian community, in a community group, a men's or a women's group, something measurable and consistent. Our community group, by the way, we don't uh, plan Bible study for the summer, but we've just picked the first and third Wednesdays of every month. We're meeting up uh, at our leader's favorite brewery. Nice. Um, and so we start that tomorrow night, which will be fun. Um, I'll get Kool Aid. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's their favorite spot. Um, awesome. But the two 
behaviors that are not optional for followers of Jesus. Uh, so in the if you if that's dropped off the map for you of being in Christian community, um, I I'm I'm exhorting. I'm not begging. I'm exhorting. I'm like high school football coach, pastor guy. That's got to get back in your back. You, you, you got to reestablish or establish for the first time being in committed Christian community where you study the Bible with other people, pray for each other. You, that's where the spiritual gifts are used for caring for one another, all the one another's in the New Testament. And secondly, we've gotten off mission where people are not served net net a way less percentage of followers of Christ. <clears throat> are serving people in their church or outside their church mm-hmm. on mission yep. in the name of Jesus. So, so those are two things that need to come back. It's our job to remind you of that, so I'll be nice um, about it and maybe a little stern when we get to fall. Uh, so you don't even have to remember that because I'll remember it for you. That's you're, right. You're welcome, Harrison. Mike's got it. He's he's <laughs> he's rolling with it. Just Because just that back. is my job. I won't take a vacation from that. That is. Biblical priorities of what it means to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. In the end, that's what we're trying to do together is grow as disciples and make more disciples. Um, Harrison, we did. Uh, I was glad you took a Sunday off. You don't take enough Sundays off. Uh, listeners, that actually showed up in Harrison's annual review. A year or two. You don't take enough Sundays off. So after sabbatical, we're actually getting more yeah. regular. It's more, it's in, when Harrison and I have supervisory conversations or, or like work goals, that's actually one of them. So well done. And it's a little easier because Erin Maynor is now our artist in residence on staff and she's here more often. Mm-hmm. And man, when she's in charge, it's beautiful. Um, Sunday was a, a beautiful moment. We we felt led by the Lord to just completely change the worship service. Mm-hmm. We had the uh, the we practiced lament, which we had learned in March. We wanted it to be a service where it wasn't just us um, teaching and presenting information. Here's how to think or perspective about everything that's happened. We wanted all the people of God to work at our own worship and work it out. And the experience of lament was really beautiful and powerful hmm. in person. I, I don't know what that was like online. I, I've been checked out, so I haven't checked any messages yet. Um, I will. Uh, I had a, a, a so it was a sweet time. All the I just walked past the table where everybody laid it down at the feet of Jesus. Their lament, their three part prayer of lament, and just I just touched the cards as I walked hmm. by. I, really, I, I did the same without even being in here, and and just. To your to your point, if I could take a, a thirty second aside, and this is not in any way to you know whatever. I'm not I'm not trying to shame you if you haven't been around as much or if you're participating more online. It's nothing like that because there are people that have reasons. Although I'll, I'll be Mike for a second, there are some of y'all that should come back here more often. Okay, with that out of the way, <laughs> um, I think this Sunday I wasn't even here, but 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 knowing what moments like that are like. I've compared it over the last couple of years to um, if one of your favorite artists was coming and doing a concert at the Spectrum Center, uh-huh. or is that what it's still what's called now? Something. I think so. Okay, yeah. um, man, like you could experience the best, highest quality, best camera crew, best audio crew, video recording of it alone in your living room, but uh, there is just something yes. about being in a like-minded community of people having an experience like that where 
being able to lament together, to see the faces of people approaching the table and writing out their prayers to God and knowing in that moment, I'm not alone and we're experiencing this together. I'm just for better or for worse. I'm just naming it as a fact. There is something about worshiping together in community that is, is so connective and powerful. And I think can really deepen our, uh, experience and what the Holy spirit does in us. So with all my prefaces ahead of it, I will say that I, I do what I do because I think what we do in this room together on Sunday mornings is powerful and important work. It was really sweet. I got an email from um, a family a couple of weeks ago. It was while I was on vacation saying they had ventured back in person for the first time the last couple of weeks. And what you just said, what a difference it had made. A A power difference spiritually. They felt um, full. Uh, yesterday, um, they came up to this family came up to me after the first service and with tears in their eyes and they were thanking me for what we had planned, thanking me for what we did. And they wanted to say in person what they had said in the email, just all of us, we, we are just feasting on in-person worship right now. Mm -hmm. And we missed it. We didn't realize how much we were missing it and what we were missing. (laughs) It was adorable. Harrison, uh, one member of the family is a high school girl, and she has a little quivering lip, and she said, um, is it okay if I hug you? And so out there, you know, I stand yeah. out the sidewalk. And so she and I just embraced and had a hug, and, it, and, and she really leaned into it. And I said, what are you struggling with? And her answer was, nothing it's just so good to be with the people of God and have you as my pastor uh, to encourage me spiritually. I, I don't know that anyone's hugged me just for that reason before. Hmm. Um, it, I consider it a representative hugging of the congregation, <laughs> of what it meant to be together and experience the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So that was the ending of our series, Necessary Endings, but it's not over. Not it's yet. back. This is the last this ending. This is it. <laughs> That's right. This is the denouement. We're going to end it here. After the climax of the novel or the movie, there's always the, this the moment of after story and what happened next. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to uh, um, uh, share a few more principles from a chapter of Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, that I think will be helpful just in reflection here. And, oh, Harrison, um, one of our newer ministry partners is a family who moved here from Colorado uh, during the pandemic, and they're really fun. I uh, hope I get to know them better. Um, but the husband came up to me after the service and goes, oh, by the way, I'm close personal friends with Dr. Henry Cloud, the guy who wrote the book Boundaries, all that stuff. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. You know, in another life, in, in, my, uh, in my corporate leadership position, we employed him to be a coach, hmm. like a leadership coach for me. That, that's something that Dr. Cloud does. And like, dang, you had <laughs> Dr. Henry Cloud as your leader. He's like, yeah, and we just became friends, et cetera. He's like, if we ever wanted him to, like, zoom in or record something for our church, you know, I was like, where were you six weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, he didn't say anything. 
So maybe they were piecing out a little bit too and need to be back in person. I don't yeah, know. yeah, um, sure. Anyway, uh, so from Dr. Cloud's book, um, there's just what we were talking about is what necessary endings is that reality in, re, in, in life, because reality is, is that there are seasons, um, that means there are endings. Summer has to end. Spring is ending. And the, <laughs> that has to end. Like hotness is going to begin. It's our new normal. And you can rage against that all summer, or you can live according and, and just be mad, grumpy, or you can live according to reality. Take that into your into account. Mm-hmm. And that's what this series has been about in a way in life, that life involves pain, business involves pain, working involves pain, relationships involve pain and necessary endings. Uh, and, and most endings that we have to create in, involve a little hurt, like pulling a tooth. But it's good pain if it's an ending that was necessary. Um, and, and it gives new life to our emotions or our relationship or our work or whatever it is. Um, and so the series was really about um, learning to take bold steps to embrace the, the necessary pain of necessary endings. But some of us have, Dr. Cloud talks about mental mindsets or a soft, a built-in software that biases against uh, making endings when they're necessary. And so we hang on too long or we, ha- or we stay in something forever that should end mm-hmm. to the detriment of abundant life in ourselves or our family or our work. And he talks about a few of these mental models of those who, and actually this is a chapter in which um, Dr. Cloud was actually more talking about business performance, that part of his work, when he works with high performers or helping people who have been underperforming and their company wants to invest in them so they bring him in as a consultant uh, and and getting to a, a new high performance. And so these mental maps are about performance at work as much as they are about our spiritual life because everything's spiritual, <laughs> yep. so including work and relationships. And so I just thought in closing I would share, I would just name these internal maps that he uh, causes us to identify, leads us to identify mental maps, internal mental maps that keep us from the endings that we need to execute, and uh, and and so he talks about five internal maps, Harrison, and we'll see if we, if I can say this in a way that you will remember them. All right, bring it on. Okay, or at least you'll remember them after I say each one. Okay, the first one, you might have if you're not good at necessary endings and you hang on too long, it might be because you have an abnormally high pain threshold. Number one, it could be that could be positive. You might just be a really resilient person. You might be an upbeat person. You might be, yeah, you're just that person. You're a you're a elite marathoner, <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Woman person, and so you have a high, abnormally high pain threshold. And so maybe you try to push through things when other people would have said long t- a long time ago, no moss, throw in the towel. This thing needs to end. But there's a, a, another more negative reason why some of us have an abnormally high pain threshold. Perhaps. Um, you had formative experiences in your life in which you had to put up with a lot of pain at the hands of others. I met with a ministry partner recently, and and, and I, I'm sorry, I uh, last week when I was at Hopewell High School, um, 
there was a kid having an issue and you know I don't think most dads walking around the halls they ask hey would you sit down and have a dad type conversation with this kid I'm a little different kind of a dad walking the halls and so I ended up having a long conversation with a, a, a young man and I just I hurt over the pain because of bad choices of his family of origin Mm. that he's having to deal with living house to house not knowing where he lives even and and the success in this boy's life he's going to graduate is is i admired Mm. what he's managing to do but but he's an example of someone who probably the rest of his life is going to have an abnormally high pain threshold relationally and maybe need others to help him identify hey man whoa 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 no this person or this toxic boss or peer employee is causing so much pain in your life, you should end that. Mm-hmm. Um, so abnormally high pain threshold is a reason some of us and, – and so for those of your listeners, that just I'm cycling this through my own life, and that could be some of you. I think for me, I'm, I'm such an optimist. I'm not sure if that fits here in this category. That may be one of the other – um, categories, but <laughs> but I I can take take a lot of pain out of abnormally high hopes in situations where I probably shouldn't tolerate them. That your that your brain says if I just power through yeah, this something pain, good will happen. Something good's going to happen on the other side, rather and than people are people generally they're going to respond well. They're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna grow into the thing that that I, we're disciplining them for or whatever. Where sometimes that pain is actually. It's actually your brain, body, circumstances telling you, red flag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah end it. hard to know the difference. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, a, a second internal map that leads some of us to uh, hang on too long and not make it necessary endings. A second map, he says, is covering for others. Hmm. This drives some people to take too much responsibility for others. Um, and, and he says that he tells some leaders when he's coaching them, that a lot of them have a problem because of who they are. You're a nice and responsible person. <laughs> and nice, responsible people get to where they are by caring about others, working pretty hard, and being super responsible and making sure things get done that they're responsible for. But that has a vulnerability. Um, oftentimes, people, leader, like successful people, get to where they are. Because they were the superstar of their family system or another system and learned that it all depended on them. And so they just went ahead and were dependable. And they were like, okay, if this requires me to be dependable, I will be (laughs) dependable. But it meant they covered for others, like brother or sister. Maybe they covered for mom or dad Hmm. in some instances. Uh, And that, that translates especially in work situation of covering for others. And there may be ways in, in which some of us don't allow other employees to f- to for their fail their lack of responsibility to earn the consequences it should, <laughs> mm. or for the company to earn the or the unit to earn some negative consequences because somebody's not pulling their weight if we're overly responsible and, and we overfunction for them. It's um, good. I struggle with that. I I apply that right right away in my brain to. Uh, being a parent in a lot of ways because that's a major part of the season that I'm in. It's like, man, where do I let? Yeah, where do I let my kids make a mistake, or where am I just trying to smooth the path for them in ways that, in the long run, is is not making it easier for them or me if I don't pick those spots where I say, 
I, I have to let go and let yeah. you face a consequence from this. Yeah, that's we, gonna it's gonna you, hurt both of us. You and I talked about that personally, mm-hmm. and and that uh, that part of it is also knowing when it's not over functioning for them if it's going to help you out. Like if you just let them experience so many consequences, they don't get their high school diploma. Yeah. And now they're stuck living in your basement. Yeah. That's bad for you. Yeah. So you should get them over that finish line, right? <laughs> over function a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, okay. Uh, here's his concluding sentences on that one covering for others. One consequence is that relationships and projects are allowed to go too far uh, uh, to go on far past the point when they should have been fixed, closed or sold. As a result, goals are not reached, potential is not realized, not to mention the misery of the one who's doing all the work. Hmm. Third mental map that causes some of us to not recognize or make necessary endings when we should. The third one, mental map, is believing that ending it means I failed. Hmm. Leaders, like most good people, are wired to persevere. And it's an, it's an important fundamental character strength in the human repertoire, <laughs> perseverance. It's also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we d- dial into the Holy Spirit, we're able to persevere even more supernaturally. And life and success depends on perseverance in every area, uh, relationally as well. But there's a toxic version of perseverance and not quitting. Mm. Uh, when the label of quitting in the big sense is, a, is equated with, uh, with failure. In other words, if you quit any one thing, if you equate that to being a quitter instead of being wise, right? Instead of understanding, no, 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 no. perseverance is so important. But in in the in the quiver of wisdom, one of the arrows that you have to pull out appropriately is uh, uh, is um, wisely ending things that need to. Um, you know, so you you could think, oh, ending this whole business strategy we've done for five years means I'm a quitter, or giving up on a relationship means I'm a quitter. But no, no, M- maybe ending that business unit means that it's going to quit sucking cash <laughs> from what is the new business unit that's making it in today's economy, uh, for example. And so that's just that's just pure wisdom perspective. Oh, sometimes ending things is the wisest, and I should pat myself on the back for ending it. And, and I have learned that um, as a supervisor and a boss, which I never thought those words would apply to me, and I don't still don't like them, but that's reality, that your best employees all get better and believe in the organization better when they see poor performance um, held accountable yeah and failure i mean not even you don't have to call it that but uh failing at something a lot of times is the absolute best teacher uh way more than success can be and and being able to build a culture around yourself one of one of the things that we talk about on our worship arts team is uh i think dustin brought this language in but fail fast so it's like hey if we're gonna try something We'll just go, if it's going to blow up, we'll let it blow up quickly and spectacularly and say, hey, we tried it. It didn't work. We're going to move on. And we'll say at least it was worth a shot. My son, Austin, minored in entrepreneurship at Chapel Hill in college. And he they that is one of their highest emphasized entrepreneurial um, skill sets, hmm. to fail fast. Hmm. Uh, be creative, dare greatly, and then fail quickly 
and learn from it. Um, That's good. <clears throat> okay, two more. Another mental map that w- might hinder us from making necessary endings as a good part of life is misunderstood loyalty. Loyalty is important. It's one of the most important character traits we can have. But loyal love does not mean infinite or misplaced responsibility for another's life. Hmm. Nor does it mean that we forever put up with mistreatment out of inappropriate loyalty. The fifth and final mental map that sometimes keeps us from making necessary endings is codependent mapping. That's feeling responsible for another person's pain uh, when I stop enabling someone. Uh, right? It's it's the uh, yeah. That's what codependency is. Is I'm t- I've taken responsibility for them not feeling pain for the way that they're underperforming in some part of life, and so therefore I'm 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 doing whatever for them so they don't have to feel the pain if that ball drops in their life. And mm. we know. And I, I thought this was interesting. Dr. Cloud, again, uh, he, he says there's a difference between helping someone who is disabled, incapable, or otherwise infirm versus helping someone who is resisting growing up and taking care of what every adult or child, for that matter, has to be responsible for, herself or himself. Hmm. When you find yourself in any way paying for someone else's responsibilities, not only are you stuck with a delayed ending, but you were probably harming that person. Hmm. And then he comments on this organizationally. He says, I don't see this mental map in the DNA of all companies, but I see it in three instances quite often. One, private companies that profess, we're a family work culture. So if you work in a place that says, oh, we're a family, you might tend toward codependency for people who aren't pulling their weight. He said, secondly, in companies that are, are family-owned companies, period. And then third, many nonprofits engage in enabling behaviors in those settings to a greater degree than in companies with performance-oriented cultures. And he comments on there's, there's a lot of pros to having a, hey, we're a family type of workplace, right? Um, uh, but... Sometimes that commitment to being like a family at work gets interpreted in two destructive ways. The first is, we'll put up with you no matter how you perform. You always have a place here. He says, that's just not okay. <laughs> uh, and secondly, in those kind of companies, it can be implied that if you give you, yourself to us, we'll take care of you for life. You have a place here no matter what. Um, and and that, that that might actually cause people harm. They may fail to develop their full potential. Um, uh, they, they may pull the company down, the unit down, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, so uh, super interesting. Um, and uh, Peter Drucker, in closing, used to say that great leaders make, quote, life and death decisions, and, and which, as he pointed out, are usually about people. Those are the decisions that cause big directional changes in businesses, where the life or death of the vision depends on somebody stepping up and acting. And he says, if you have a sense of powerlessness in your situation or a mental map that doesn't let you act uh, firmly in the big decisions, you won't make life or death decisions. Instead, you will tend to accept the slow death of morale, initiative, 
and sometimes even the business itself. And on the personal side of life, you'll miss out on many, many vital things. And while we cannot control the reactions of other people, the seasons, we can't control the seasons, we can't control the market, we can always control our response to them if our internal map tells us that we can. Because we have in the Holy Spirit the fruit of self-control and long-suffering. And we can make necessary endings in a self-controlled way. And we can be long-suffering through the necessary pain of an ending to get to the better next season of growth. I really enjoyed this sermon I, a series. I appreciated lots of feedback from people. Um, uh, uh, a lot of really neat feedback about the timing of this in our lives. Yeah, it's it is uh, it has been really actually truly necessary for us right now. We just see a lot of people. It's like in a lot of ways we've been living in a, a two year stretch of tr- constant transition <laughs> more than we've ever faced before. So thinking about this stuff is only, uh, gonna, gonna help us move to the next phase of all this in a better, more healthy yes. way. So we appreciate it. Mike. On Sunday, we'll move to our June sermon series, our first uh, summer series. Uh, we'll talk about that Sunday. And then in July, we're going to call our series summer reading, and we are going to go through the new Testament book of Galatians chapter by chapter. So prepare yourself for that. We'll all maybe sync up our devotions in Galatians for the month of July. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. Uh, Please send in questions or comments or suggestions for content. We always appreciate that. Until next time, it's the Ask LFC Podcast. See you guys.